0: the podcast where we read the 1001 books that experts say we're supposed to read before we die and decide if they're really worth your time. I'm Nicole, a lover of Harry Potter and historical
1: fiction. And I'm Chelsea, also a lover of Harry Potter and any good book that's going to make me cry.
0: Before we get into book 26, Chelsea, what else have you been reading lately?
1: Um, I've actually read a ton recently. I got kind of in like a groove of reading. Mm, nice, And Always so good. I've read um, most of the Illuminate trilogy, I oh. just like read through it so I could get to Obsidio and I'm halfway through Obsidio. I've read life. it before, but I wanted to reread before I read Obsidio. But the one I wanted to talk about is I'm reading this book called Bastards by Mary Anna King. And it's a memoir and it's actually really interesting. It's about a girl um, who grew up in the early 1980s and her family was really struggling and they got shuffled from her parents' house to her... Um, grandparents house and she's kind of just like writing about her childhood and it's Mm. not a very stable childhood yeah um but one of the things that happened is her parents um got pregnant a lot (laughs) and just would give the kids away for adoption oh so she had it was her her brother and her first sister all kind of stayed managed to stay close to each other and together but the other five sisters Got given away for adoption. And as she comes into an adulthood, they start to find each other and become like a sibling group. Yeah. Which is just really interesting. Mm. So it's cool because it's a memoir. So it doesn't feel like it's like, it doesn't feel trashy like, it's playing on people's opinions or insights because it's what actually happened to this person. Yeah. Um, I like it a lot. It's pretty irreverent, as you can tell from the title. Uh, <laughs> but I have about 50 pages left in it, so.
0: Nice. What about you? Um, You know, yeah, I think I'm coming out of my reading slump, though I realized I had gotten to a point where I was just overwhelmed by the number of holds I was getting from the library. Just, like, intensely, like, never getting to them, getting them again, still not reading them. Mm-hmm. And so I, like... I like didn't request everything that I had returned that I didn't read over again, and I've just been reading books that I have,
1: that's and, it's, nice, and it's really though. taken the pressure off. I have at uh, twelve books from the library out right now. Exactly. Yeah, that's my normal life. It's a problematic.
0: <laughs> so I and I so I've been reading a book for a book club that's going to be this weekend um, called Last Standing Woman by Winona LaDuke, and that's a book where we read books about like usually nonfiction books about social issues, but for mm-hmm. the summer we picked a novel just to like make it easier for summer read and so this is a book by a native american woman about native americans um in minnesota and it starts like in the 1860s when Mm -hmm. they're first making treaties with white americans um and then it kind of starting with like the people that the main character are like her namesake and her ancestors Mm -hmm. and then it falls then kind of follows what happens to the tribe up to this woman up to up to like 1997 when the book came out and it's so good and i love it because it's not super linear um and sometimes you know there'll be like a particular part something that happened to native americans like kids getting sent to boarding schools pulled away from their families and put in boarding schools to, and having their culture stripped from them um so there's like a cha- short chapter about that happening to little boy and it's not really tied in with the rest but it's just to get the full picture of what happened and to it's this, still this real tribe yeah um, and it's yeah, it's really well done, and I really like it. Uh, and it's very thought provoking. It's going to be a good book club on set. Nice. So, yeah, definitely well, recommend it. That
1: is super exciting. Our book we read this week, moving into our podcast book, is called uh, "Solitude." I already forgot its name. <laughs> Louise, um, it was by Victor Catala. Who was a woman writing under a fake name? Her name was actually Caterina Albert E. Peradu.
0: Per- I don't know. Peradu? Yeah. Peradu
1: sounds better. Um, she was from Spain. In the 1800s, early 1900s. More specifically
0: from Catalonia, and the book was written in Catalan. Yes. Hence her name, Victor Catalia. Yes. Victory for Catalan.
1: (laughs) And so, and this book was actually published in 1905, and was not translated into English until 1966.
0: So, fun fact, um, I looked, I was looking up some stuff about uh, Catalonia, Uh So I was like, I know it's a region of Spain, but where is it, and stuff, and it's kind of up Like, on the, like, eastern coast to, like, near where the border with France is. Okay. And, um, but I guess it's always been known for its literature. And, like, in the Renaissance times, there was many famous, at their time, writers from there. And then they had, like, a dark, their own, like, literature dark ages where no writing came, like, really got internationally famous from there. And then there was a kind of a rebirth with this author's generation where there was, like, many internationally famous authors who originally wrote in Catalan. Um, and how, like, even now they have that region is, like, semi-autonomous within Spain. And so, like, that their culture is unique and not just Spain is really important.
1: Yeah. And didn't yeah. they, weren't they recently in the news because there was a vote?
0: To, like, secede or whatever. Yeah. I don't, what was, I don't think they did secede, right? I don't
1: think so in the end. But I know that I had read a little news blurb about that. And then it kind of disappeared and I didn't follow up on it. Yeah. Um. So before we get into talking about the plot a little bit, what was your one-word description for this book?
0: Um. So my one-word description is two words long. Um, <laughs> yes. As always, it's a little bit of a rebellion. Um. Inner life. What's yours?
1: My one-word description is isolation. Okay. So as we talk about the book, those are two themes I think that we're going to be touching on because they were big themes in this book.
0: Yeah, um, I'm not going to lie; I pulled that description straight out of the introduction. Like the, oh, so <laughs> I didn't pull mine out of the
1: introduction. <laughs> I thought not I on, on
0: purpose, up. but because it was very true for the book.
1: Yeah. Um.
0: Okay. So if we were going to describe this book in one sentence, quick plot, it would be that. Um, mila and her husband move to an isolated hermitage in spain and have to face the best and worst in themselves
1: yes um and so we'll give a little bit more of an in-depth plot here um the book is only 210 pages long there's not a whole lot of plot for it um but if you do not want to hear it look for the spoiler note in our show notes and you can jump back in during our second section but basically, in this story, Mila and her husband, Matthias, have been assigned to run a hermitage in Catalonia, and they go up there. A hermitage, historically, which I didn't know this before, is an isolated sacred site. Yeah. Which is where the term hermit came from, but I don't think I ever made that connection. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, they're keeping track of this isolated sacred site develop- devoted to a saint Um, and throughout the course of the novel, Mila befriends a shepherd who is in the area and her husband, which Mila's befriending the shepherd is for her good and ends up helping her, uh, her husband's befriending of a character named Anima is, ends up being really detrimental and having some catastrophic consequences because Anima ends up killing the shepherd and raping Mila. Yeah. And so over the course of the novel you kind of get to see these two relationships which are really the only strong relationship bonds you see um and how one is really leading on the husband down a path of like failure and gambling and drinking yeah. and <laughs> really terrible things and the other how Mila kind of starts to come into her own through this relationship with the shepherd um and at the end of the novel she leaves her husband Right. And strikes out on her own and basically tells him, no, I don't want you to come with me. Yeah.
0: And it's important to note that her relationship with the shepherd is just friendship. Yeah. Um, and that its I think it's kind of pivotal, actually, that it never turns into, like, a sexual or, or even romantic relationship. Um, and it's almost like the shepherd, like, she wants that. Like, that would be fulfilling. It would make her feel like she was escaping her bad mm-hmm. marriage. But he won't do it because he's, like, dedicated to the memory of his dead wife. Uh, and it almost yeah. feels
1: like she wants that because she's so isolated. Right, and she's not escape, getting it's yeah. escapism,
0: and so she can't do that. So she's left to her own like inner resources mm-hmm. to figure out how she wants to survive the isolation. Um, I think that's an important theme. Yeah. So I feel like I like messed up my own reading of this book because, like we said when we first started the podcast, we never would read introductions ever, either of us and we've started reading them because some of the books you really need the context mm-hmm. and so i read the introduction to this and it gave away the plot like the rape you know and so then and so then the whole book i was just waiting for the rape to be this and huge the thing and the murder. murder and they're really like in the last foot 15 pages mm-hmm. or at the very end and so then the whole time i was like oh like this is the character that rapes her or this is the character that murders this is the one who gets murdered and i and the, like I don't know. I didn't see them not knowing their fate, and I think it would have been a better read. If, mm-hmm. I think I would have gotten understood it better if I had read it without knowing where fate. And so now I feel like new rule is I'm going to read the introduction. I'm going to read it, but I'm not going to read it until after I finish the book. Yeah. Because I hate it when they, they shouldn't give away the plot. It should be like a historical context, but no plot. Well, and that's so frustrating
1: because not all of them have given away the plot. Yeah. And yeah. some of them have just given context to the plot, but this one gave away that. And so then as I was reading, I was like, When is this going to happen? When is this going to happen? And it made me feel like the rape and the murder were supposed to be the most important parts of this novel, which I don't actually feel like they were. I don't
0: think that they were. The the introduction also said, which made me think, oh, this is going to be good, about how it's about an in-depth study of a woman's inner life, hence the Mm one-word description, Um, and and that it's kind of unique for its time and like that there would be a book about a woman's inner life. Unconnected to the her relationships to men in her life, and it de- and it, that definitely happens. Like, yes. and I think that is rare in literature, particularly from this old, like a hundred mm-hmm. over a hundred years old. Um, so so I was like, oh, that that's good. But yeah, I was so focused on those events that I feel like I, I feel like those events weren't the point. The events no. only helped her kickstart what her inner self had already decided. You know, was, well, which was and to leave
1: too. I thought it was interesting because in the novel she comes up. And her husband and her are climbing the mountain to this hermitage, and she's too weak to make it up because she's too full of fear and too scared of um, this journey that they're on, and she doesn't trust him, which he's kind of a terrible person, so that's okay. But um, <laughs> and throughout it, like she's talking with the shepherd, and she's in the open air, and she's around this little farm boy who also is coming up to visit them, and she starts to discover herself and then there's a mm-hmm. setback where her husband starts to leave her and gamble and she manages to with the help of these other characters pull herself back out again yeah
0: she like gets depressed and then she like comes out and later. then mm-hmm. there's
1: where she's her friend the shepherd is murdered and then she is raped and that time she has to pull herself up all on her own without her friends and yeah. so Ooh, that's i good. thought yeah. it was a really cool story arc but i did not feel like the rape and the murder were the catalyst for the story. I felt like they were the end of the story. I know. It almost, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like
0: Yeah. It almost makes you feel like the introduction that made those, the pivotal events in her life was written by a man. Because, it, you know, that, like, the pivotal... Yeah. Because still, if you read it that way, the pivotal of in her lives are things that men do to her and around her. Rather versus than, the pivotal event being her finding herself and finding, like, inner strength.
1: Yeah. yeah. And so I... That was disappointing. I wish I hadn't have read. I wish, I wish the introduction either had not been focused on that, or I hadn't have read it. Yeah, because it definitely. It made it so that it was harder for me to find what I thought the real meaning of the book was because I was searching for this other thing that wasn't really there.
0: Exactly. Though I will give this book's bonus points for I feel like having a pretty realistic description of depression in mm-hmm. um, a long time before we pro- we ever use the word we clinically the way we do now, right? Yeah. Um, but I think it's like pretty realistic, how, like what happens, you know, and um, in her life and how like how it affects her routine and her emotional state and so I think that was surprising and I thought
1: it was interesting too it did a good job of relaying how you don't just magically one day come out of that and you're fine forever yeah it's very cyclical and you still have to be able to use your own skill set to find your way out have your
0: tools yeah yeah Um, so I thought that I thought that was really good um I liked so th- there was just some like beautiful scenery description in this mm-hmm. book, but it's short. It's not really. It's not heavy handed. It's not Lord of the Rings with long pages yeah. and pages of description. But it still really captured the beauty of these mountains and and how like being in nature like helps your soul. <laughs> like I think it really captured that really well. And it made you could tell that the author was really proud of where she came from. Yeah. You know? And
1: you know, I don't know why I made this connection. Or why it made me think of this. Have you ever read Pilgrim's Progress? No. Oh, maybe that's the wrong book. There's another book that has faith in it and also ties that in with um, descriptions of scenery. Mm -hmm. And it might not be *Pilgrim*. It might be something else. But I kept thinking of that book too because in this book, it was very much... It felt like she was proud of her land and like having this image of how beautiful nature was and being with the nature was what gave her back some faith. Yeah. Which was really beautifully done and I thought well done um, and gave her the pride to maintain this chapel that they were in charge of and all that kind of stuff. Um, And it was reminding me, I wish I could think, I'll look back and try and think of it a different time, but um, there's another book that does that that ties in nature with faith really well. And I thought that that was a cool little it wasn't the main arc of the story but it was a cool little tie-in yeah. that was in there
0: yeah I, yeah i like that and i th- i like that she i so it reminds it reminded me of a quote that i really love that i think was like at the beginning of a novel you know like written by somebody else and i don't even remember what novel it was from but i w- wrote down the quote that was basically like when when we're alone or when in the worst state when we feel alone when we're but we're surrounded by people uh, and we can't find, like, comfort in other people in either of those situations, we turn to, like, the trees and the sky and the birds, like, mm-hmm. to, like, feel not lonely. Um, and when I, whenever I read that, it was at a time when I was feeling lonely, and I, like, particularly thought at the t- at the time of, like, a tree that I would always see when I walked to work mm-hmm. that, like, was turning, you know, fall colors, and it was gorgeous and I was, like, so, and I was, like, that's my tree, you know? Yeah. And it, like And it, like, helped when I was like, really down. And this book, I think, Like, that quote really sums it up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, yeah, that was, I thought that that was really well done. Um, Another thing that this novel did interestingly well is I thought that it um, had, I usually get annoyed by storyteller characters. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. Who, like, because, like, the shepherd would just tell her stories and it would go off and be, like, a fable. Yes, or, but yeah. these
1: ones were really cool fables that tied back in. There was a tie-in at the end to the mm-hmm. fables. They tied back in throughout the story. So at one point, the shepherd tells her that this story about a man on the mountain and his bones and how you can hear the the cring, the ringing of the bones together um, before something bad's going to happen. And he tells her the two times in his life he's heard the ringing of the bones. And then the night before he's murdered, or the night he is murdered, she hears them outside her house. Yeah, and so I thought it was storyteller done well because the stories served a purpose; they were linked in with the novel itself. Um,
0: you mean different than *Look Homeward, Angel* when he would just talk about what thirty people in the town were yes. doing for no reason? Yeah, <laughs> pretty much for twenty pages. Yeah, a lot different than that. <laughs> because
1: when it went on a little like ramble, I knew there was going to be a point to it. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I I they were almost I didn't notice them. Like they they are really well integrated. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so I really liked that yeah. um that was beautifully done, I thought. Yeah. I just overall I thought that this novel was beautifully written. Yeah. I mean, my
0: I the other thing that I liked about it, well that I found like shocking but also well done the book is that at one point, she tells the shepherd how she ended up married to her husband, who's just, like, no good, and uh-huh. it was basically because her uncle had died, and and he had been, like, depressed because he had run a boat, and then they built a bridge, and they didn't need the boat anymore, and they fell on hard times, so kind of a, you know, a, like, how, like, changing um, industry industry can hurt families Uh um but like that is inevitable and then her her aunt he dies her aunt that she's living with like her parents aren't around her aunt is elderly and this guy comes to town and he likes her and so she marries him because she knows her aunt is getting older and she won't have and she didn't want to be alone yeah and I just like oh man like women throughout history have had no choices no, (laughs) and it sucks so much they're just like what's what a horrible and then she didn't like she hardly knew him at all Mm -hmm. which I mean that was pretty common you know yeah, no. and and then he turned out to be total scum, and then she's just trapped, like yeah, and it's everything awful.
1: he does reflects on her, which was that was well written in this novel too. Yeah, the townspeople turned against her and hated her, um, because of things her husband has done. There was also some like, quote unquote, like slut shaming going on, like they thought she was having an intimate relationship with the shepherd when she wasn't. Um, but on top of that, they applied her husband's sins to right. her. Right. Um, she doesn't even
0: like him, Like, but she still She stuck doesn't like that. him. He's yeah. not there.
1: It doesn't sound like they have any sort of intimate relationship because there's alludings to how she has no intimacy in her life at all. Right, and that she wants to have children and she can't and have she any. And she can't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't seem like it's a medical thing. It more seems like it's a husband thing. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. And so that, I just thought, I thought this book was really well written for its time. Yeah, I think, you know, talking
0: about it, it's making me like it more than when I was reading it. I feel like when I was actually reading it, I wasn't, I wasn't like that engaged, mm-hmm. you know, I, it was just kind of, it was kind of slow and I read it and it was fine, but I was, but this is like, oh yeah, look, look at this arc. This is really great. You yeah. know, like, But, um, my original reading experience was kind of dry.
1: Yeah. I don't think it was, it definitely took me the full week, even though it's 200 pages. Like I just read it in like chapter long bursts. Yeah. But I never, here's something I'm learning with our novels. I never was like, I don't want to pick that book up. I didn't feel that with this. Like I was going to be mildly engaged. I was going to read 15, 20 pages. I would, would, the story would move on a little bit and then I'd move on with my day. Um, I didn't. It didn't put me in a reading slump. It didn't make me not want to read things. Yeah, I didn't I mean. have to bribe myself by reading other books around <laughs> it. Um, that's true. And so, that's funny. I feel like I this did make me not
0: read other stuff, or I just like wasn't into reading. But it could have been for other life reasons. Um, but then there's other books that I have liked and put on the list that I have had to bribe myself to read, like Hadrian,
1: the Seventh. Oh, yeah. That was
0: like I liked that book in the end, but I would like alternate because it was so dense um and this book I didn't have to do that but I also like am not as stoked about it as I was about Hadrian though it is really nice to, this is like we've read a ton of books for the podcast about a man's inner life and they're always all wish fulfillmenty, y mm-hmm. and we always think they're stupid if they're not funny then they're stupid you know and but this is more about a woman's inner life and that is refreshing
1: <laughs> well and I thought it was um it was nice because the ending wasn't an ending because I think oftentimes in novels about a woman um, coming of age and rape and all that kind of stuff, it's she suddenly is so happy and everything is perfect and she's worked through yeah. all her pain. Um I like mm-hmm. that this novel she found the strength to leave her husband. Yeah. And she just left. In and that was where it ends. in nineteen oh five. And you know life's not gonna be easy for her after that. Yeah. Yeah, but it just at all. ends because that was what she needed to do, and that was what was mm. going to need to happen. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I really like so, that. So, I, again, I mean, I didn't think this was. I didn't think this was an amazing book. It's not anywhere, but it's a solid three stars for me. Yeah, yeah, I can I can agree with that, and I think it's.
0: It's it. Is, I think it is unique for its era that how she does choose independence and that's the right choice mm-hmm. because i've said on podcasts before about how i feel like i've outgrown coming-of-age stories and this isn't really coming of age story because she's already an adult woman but um but it does have a sexual assault in it. and the reason i don't like especially female coming-of-age mm-hmm. stories because there's always it always is like the catalyst is a sexual assault and that is shitty um and it, i mean it is sadly true often but it's not good it's not like yeah. the only thing that can make a woman like change your life you know um, doesn't give her any agency. And then this book, she uses it to like take all of her agency. You mm-hmm. know? And um and so even though when I read the introduction I was like, Oh no, it's gonna be exactly the kind of books I just said that I hated on the last episode. Yeah. I, I didn't get that feeling. Um, because she does take she she doesn't lose she only she only uses it to shed lose things that she wants to lose. Yeah. Not something she wants to keep.
1: Yeah, and I and I also I think it did something that at the time wasn't super um, common. Like she, there's another, there's a village man who likes her and falls for her. And she is able to say no to him, the farmer's son. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also uh, there's, I'm trying to think, how am I trying to say this? Like, I guess I'm just adding to your point. I feel like she had the agency in this story to control her life.
0: Yeah, and that almost that alone makes me want to put it on the list. You know, even if my original reading experience was somewhat dry, I feel like A Woman with Agency, Mm
1: -hmm. written by
0: a woman, you know, (laughs) like, we haven't seen a lot of books like that, you know, where, uh, and it's refreshing, and I feel like it's much more common in modern Mm -hmm. literature, current books, but I haven't read a book from 1905 that really has that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and I don't know, I don't know if this is. Why don't we say whether we're gonna put on the list and then we can keep talking about it. Oh
0: man, I still feel torn.
1: Okay, let me add one more. Point add your then, point. I yeah, think yeah already, I think I <laughs> have made my decision.
0: Okay, um, <laughs> I'm ready.
1: <laughs> so, I don't know if this is a book I'm gonna keep thinking about. Yeah, but exactly. But I do know that I think that it's important that a book was written in 1905 where a woman was in control of her actions and if she wasn't in control at the beginning she gained that control by the end and had the ability to leave a situation that wasn't healthy and I think writing about that even now doesn't happen as often as it needs to happen that's I think that oftentimes in novels a woman might be in a situation where she should leave, but she stays because she's going to save him. Or she doesn't have the resources to leave, and so then rather, which... Or she just is,
0: immediately latches on to a new man. Yes. And she's not by, ever by herself. Yeah, And
1: the, the resources thing, there's no shame if you cannot escape a situation feeling trapped. There's no shame in yeah. that ever. But I don't think that that's a story we should be telling in novels. Where we're not even like giving options for women to try and get out. You right. know what I mean? Right. And so um, I just, I feel like this book was ahead of its time. Yeah. For saying that. Um, yeah. And the fact that she was able to say that and that she was able to publish this. I also think it's ironic that she published this, published this under a man's name and men were reading this. <laughs> by a yeah. man and yeah. reading really feminist ideas yeah like subtle feminist ideas not feminism the way we'd see it today but like subtle beginning
0: right yeah of
1: feminist ideas um i think there's some irony in there which i really like so yeah and i feel like based on what
0: you're saying you know it's like oh i want their you know now i want women to be able to, women who, to be reading stories like, you always – you read to kind of, like, to see other lives that aren't yours and to, like, be able to tell your own story to yourself. And so you want there to be able to read stories that reflect your experience. Mm-hmm. And so you want there to be books for women that are in abusive situations or bad situations where the women can leave successfully. Yes. And, like, be independent. You want that to exist. And this, like, can – if you got this, your hands on this book in 1905 – as a woman in a situation like this, it would have been pretty revolutionary, yeah, I think, you know. Cuz nobody was um, saying
1: you could escape.
0: Yeah. And I don't know about you, but when I when I was a kid, my mom was oh like it was really drilled into me that like a woman like, even when you're married or in a long-term relationship, you should always have some money separate so that you can leave if you mm-hmm. need to leave. You should always have the ability to get out if it becomes unsafe for you and uh, and that it's always okay to leave, you know? I, actually, uh, I was really drilled this into This is me. a side note.
1: I very firmly believe that. Yeah. I believe that we live in a society now where you have the ability to have multiple bank accounts. And, I mean, men too. Yeah. You should always have some money that is just your money. And it's not because you don't trust the person. It's not because you don't love the person. I mean, my fiancé, I love my fiancé. And I, like, God forbid, I hope we're never going to get a divorce. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's a it's a way of ensuring safety for yourself yeah. that I think is just a smart, logical decision. Yeah. That can be separate from your love of someone. Yeah. So that was a little dumb. Yeah. No matter right, how barely... good you think
0: your man is, and it, everything can be great, and hopefully everything will continue to be great. But I think it's always better to be prepared.
1: You and know, for there anything. should never be a situation where someone is in control of all the money you're spending, because you should be able to, if you can financially buy a shirt and not have to worry about it you know I very strongly feel for this so (laughs) So. I have a very
0: specific memory of like I was a campfire girl for like a few years in late elementary school and they sell candy not cookies but we were selling it outside of a grocery store and my mom was like the adult that was with us and there was a rule that you could only ask people when they were coming out of the grocery store hi do you want to buy any campfire candy um and that was you know and so mm-hmm. we were doing that and but sometimes people would stop on the way in right to see us and be like oh I'm gonna get cash or whatever and they yeah buy the candy and but there was a woman who came in she's by herself and she and she came on her way in she said, um oh like maybe you know I'll have to see if I can get some on the way out mm-hmm. or whatever and then when she came out we're still there and and she says, oh I don't think my husband like my husband would give me money for this to get candy. And, and we were like okay thank you or whatever and then um my mom would just like turn to all of us girls that were there and was just like never be in a situation where you have to ask your husband's permission to buy a five dollar box of candy It's I was like
1: okay I won't <laughs> I promise <laughs> I mean um, we kind of went on our own little tangent but I do feel like that's a very important point <laughs> yeah and I mean
0: that's the point of books is to start conversations so I think I'm ready to say if I wanted to be on the list or not
1: I'm interested to see if you agree with me. So
0: do we think this is a book that everyone should read before they die? Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah. Which I definitely arrived
0: here today for this recording expecting to say no Mm -hmm. because I was a little dry. But based on our discussion, I was convinced that it is a yes. And I
1: think that's interesting. I think there's more than one book where I've come in and I've been like, "Uh," but then we talk about it and it deserves it. So I think it does serve a point for saying that having conversations about books is half of what you need to do when you're reading books. Right. Because if you're not talking about it, you're not getting all you can from that novel.
0: Well, that's like one of the best things about reading, right, is that it's a solo thing and a community thing. It can be both. Um, and I, people always – I like – people who know that I'm a big reader – often think that I'm an introvert and I'm really really not an introvert I'm like way over on the (laughs) scale you know as an extrovert and then if they know that I'm an extrovert they don't think that I'm a reader but it's just like it's possible to be a reader and an extrovert because I read like basically that's the only hobby I have when I'm alone it's the only Mm -hmm. thing I do when I'm alone is read that's not like chores you know that's not responsible but then I also make it communal. Like, we have this. I'm in a book club. I talk with my mom about books, you know. Like, we talk about books outside of this. Like, I, it's communal. I, mm. I read
1: reviews and things on books uh-huh. that I've read or critiques of books I've read. Even before the podcast, I did a lot yeah. of that. And so, yeah, I think that it's it's very important if you're reading to also be engaging, even if it's just online, in some sort of critical discussion or some sort of, or reading critical discussion. Yeah, or even if you're just at, reading
0: the Wikipedia articles like we do all the time during this podcast.
1: Yeah, <laughs> or um, reading people's opinions on Goodreads. I love doing that after I've read a book. Yeah. Because sometimes they'll say things, and I'm like, oh, I didn't think of that. Yeah. So I think this should be on the list. I'm interested to see if it holds the test of time for all 1,000. Um, and if That's I true, think about my... it. But I just think that seeing a woman leave a situation that wasn't healthy for her and seeing her deal with depression through its ups and downs in the 1900s was so ahead of its time that I think it's very important.
0: Yes. Um, I was going to share my favorite quote from this book that oh, kind of sums up what we were talking about um, before we go on. So let's see. Uh, Mila no longer recalled her marriage nor her did her troubling memories disturb her peaceful recovery. And since tomorrow would bring another tale and still another day after that, For the shepherd's majestic flow of words seemed inexhaustible as the sea. Milo finally lost sight of her own stunted life as a simple human being and entered the mountain's fantastic realm. Spellbined by her friend's prodigious imagination, she watched the narrow confines grow until they encompassed entire worlds full of visions, dreams, and fabulous monsters. From every rock, field, and branch, a legend sprouted, and her sense of wonder blossomed into a new and higher awareness. At the same time, she felt an extraordinary devotion to that little man, who its ingenuity and kindness had lifted her to such heights. So I just love that because it's about how yeah. storytelling takes us beyond our basic everyday lives and helps us connect both with nature and with other people. I which like that like, Books! Too. Books are so I great. I like that a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, so
1: yeah. I enjoyed this.
0: Yeah. So, hey, we haven't put one on the list in a few books, I feel like, or we've had a split decision. Yeah. So. I mean, we very. It's a light. Do not put yeah. Hello,
1: Comrade Angel on the list. No, and Strongly. then I think the two
0: before that we were, were split. split. Yeah, opposite. Yeah, so um, yeah,
1: it's pretty exciting.
0: Yeah, I am curious to see if like when we review this, when we've read eighty books or a hundred books, if I'm still like, oh yeah, I keep that on there, you know. But yeah. so far, so good.
1: Yeah, I liked it a lot. I mean, liked it in that I liked what I got to talk about with it. Reading it was just like I'm reading this. Yeah. 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 Um. I'm- all right, for our second section today, we thought we'd play on that idea of solitude and describe to each other what our perfect day would be if we were all by ourselves all day long. Okay.
0: Um, should we just do that like one at a time or back and know, forth we like we morning and then afternoon? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. So. What um, time would you get up? Late. I would definitely sleep in and wake up with, importantly, wake up without an alarm clock, whatever time that would be, just sleep until I woke up in a quiet house that wasn't too hot. It's been the summer and it's been freaking hot in my bedroom. (laughs) Um,
1: And I'm sorry, but if you're listening and you're not from Washington and you think we're whining, think about the fact that it's been like in the 90s and no one here has AC. So you go to work and there's no AC. And you get no, home. I have work at my AC. I don't have AC at
0: my work. <laughs> I, work at my, I have, I have work at my AC. I have AC at my work.
1: <laughs> and you get home and there's no AC and you're just sitting. There was an article in 90 degree heat.
0: In the paper that Seattle, where we live, is the least air conditioned city in America. Only like 35% of households are air conditioned. And the next lowest city is like 65%. It's so, crazy. I would so, just like
1: to say we're not really actually yes. whining. It is. It sucks when it, it's hot here. It's a short <laughs>
0: season that it's hot here, but we and therefore we do not prepare for it. And I love the summer. I like it when it's hot. But sleeping-wise, it does suck. So I'd sleep in. I'd wake up without an alarm clock. Um, and then when I woke up, I would um, have, like, a cup of coffee and a book, like, on, outside, you know, like on a balcony or a deck or something, um, and, like, not have to get showered right away mm-hmm. or whatever, or, like, be really, like, chill Um, until late morning. What about you?
1: I would, my favorite thing, it's funny because I would like it to be chilly in my version, like fall chilly.
0: Okay, sure. So
1: I usually, even if I'm sleeping in without an alarm clock, wake up by 8 a.m. So I would get up (laughs) and I would lay in bed under my blankets because my favorite thing about fall and spring is how the air outside your bed is cold, but your blankets are warm. (laughs) And I would read for like 45 minutes, and then I'd get out of bed, and I'd get a giant mug of coffee, like two Keurig pumps full of coffee, and I would go back to bed, because again, it's cold outside your bed, but it's warm inside of it. Um, and I would read in bed for like another hour and a half, I'm going to be honest. Yeah, yeah,
0: until late morning.
1: Yes. <laughs> till late morning. Um, and then, actually, I'd probably read in bed till lunch. If yeah, it was my I mean, that's, day.
0: that's what I mean. Let's yeah, do,
1: let's, so let's until it. lunch, I'd probably just lay in bed with my coffee, maybe some toast with like, if I had my perfect breakfast, it'd be a, uh, what would it be, eggs benedict, oh. mm-hmm. delivered to my door, seamless style, Yeah. and I'd read in bed, and eat my breakfast, and drink my coffee until noon.
0: That's good, yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, I would definitely yeah, read outside until noon, and and then I, yeah, I, I like that. I feel like I'd want for breakfast. I would want like pancakes, but I not that I made them. That somebody yeah. else made them and I ate them. And then in the afternoon, um, I think I'd want to go for a walk somewhere where there was water. Mm-hmm. Um, probably listen to an audio book. <laughs> You know, because really the only brand. thing I like to do when I'm alone is read. Um, and, like, take a walk on the water. And then, like, in the late afternoon, maybe stop somewhere for, like, a fancy cocktail. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Cocktails are going to come into mind, too. Yeah. So, I feel like it's noon, and I've read all m- morning. I would probably want to fall. Fall style would be pretty outside. So, I'd transition myself outside. Um, and... I would get to sit out on the deck and read some more. I'd maybe bring my cats who have leashes out there with me. Don't judge. They're really sweet. They like their leashes. Um, I know that. (laughs) And read some more out on the deck. And then I feel like I would want um, lunch delivered to me as well. Uh, (laughs) Because this is my perfect day and I'm not talking to anyone. And I'm an introvert, so this sounds great. Yeah. Uh, And then I would want, like margaritas and tacos oh nice <laughs> margaritas and tacos delivered to me yeah and i would definitely end the day what would i do to end the day on a perfect day well oh, i would take a bubble yeah. bath
0: oh that's good nice
1: then i'd end the day with a bubble bath and i'd have to transition to wine but it's a perfect day so i wouldn't get a hangover from the tequila Abs- to wine absolutely transition <laughs> uh and read there, and then go to bed by like 9.30.
0: Okay, so yeah, I'd have the fancy cocktail out of place, and then I would go home... Um, and I feel so true confessions is that I don't like to spend entire days alone. It often makes me sad. Um <laughs> and so usually I do like a bunch of chores and stuff that is and then and so I don't have all downtime.
1: But day, this is for though. a day
0: and before I don't even have chores in my life. That's not yeah. even a thing. I have servants, obviously. <laughs> uh and so I would have the concoct cocktail, but then I think I would wanna make myself like a elaborate meal that I something I normally wouldn't cook, mm-hmm. you know, like try out something mm-hmm. new. Um, and that takes a long time, you know, and cause that's what I like doing that. That would be fun. Um, and then, and then probably in the evening I would like watch like something really, um, nostalgic and comforting on Netflix and drink like an entire bottle of champagne. <laughs>
1: yeah no hangovers yeah oh
0: I also want to add it back in my morning I want to have mimosas
1: oh yeah <laughs>
0: because that was a huge oversight mimosas
1: with my coffee coffee then mimosas yeah coffee yes. then mimosas yeah yes um
0: so I think that would be my but ideally my true favorite day alone would be all the afternoon stuff and then seeing people in the evening oh. in real life See, <laughs> ideally
1: like real life would happen I like to do Where I get to be lazy in the morning and then I do like two or three hours of chores. Yes, exactly. And then you get to be lazy in the afternoon, but you still feel productive because you did like two or three hours of productiveness. But in this magical world where I don't have to do that for one day, I would do that. I don't know what I'd do if it was more than one day, though. Honestly, more than one day without anything to do or being alone, I get anxious.
0: Well, if you were at home, you would. But say you were on a beach in Hawaii. You probably could find stuff to do. If I was like not yeah. here and I could go explore a new place by myself, yeah, I wouldn't. True. I wouldn't get bored but with it. But this was at home. But yeah. at home, I would get bored with it.
1: I would never want more than one day in a row of my perfect day at home because I feel like you would lose the joy of it. Yeah, and it would feel boring. It would and if feel you boring, don't yeah. leave the house, maybe I'm the only person in the world that this happens to. But if I don't leave the house f- for a whole day, I get a massive headache.
0: Oh, that's weird. I don't, Like yeah. when
1: I go out, I don't know, maybe it's my anxiety or something, but then when I go back out to like drive my car or like, um, really it's because I think it's the transition to the car and then like in a grocery store or something with really bright lights, it gives me like a migraine. Wow. If I don't go out and leave terrible. the house at least once in a day. That's terrible. Or like I'll have a migraine the next day. So this fun fact about me, I'm an anxious person in case we haven't shared that before. this really feeds into my anxiety so like if you're sick and you have to be home for multiple days that day I go back to work I feel like death because I have a headache
0: oh that's awful you're starting to feel not sick and then you get a headache that sucks
1: I just thought that you'd agree with me that that's something that happens to everyone so you know
0: no that doesn't I mean I get headaches but not from being not from not leaving the house
1: well if you get headaches from not leaving the house please let me know
0: <laughs> Do you think that's just like your introvertedness be just being turned up a little bit too high? I don't or know. like something in you is like, I'm not supposed to see people <laughs> And so when you've like treated it and it's like grown, I know. you can't get away but with it. you know for
1: sure that when we end this podcast, I'm going to Google it now, right? Because I just assumed my whole yeah. life that that was something that happened to everyone. Yeah.
0: It's okay. I can think of a weird book-related fact about me that I'll share at a later date and that'll totally be the equal of you sharing this. Yeah.
1: Well, <laughs> until that later date where we're going to hold Nicole accountable for her word, weird book fact, we should probably pull... Our book for next week. Oh
0: yes, book twenty-seven. Crazy. Okay, book twenty-seven is called Down Second Avenue. Hmm. There's gonna be a street. Hmm. (laughs) You're so smart. (laughs) Um. This reminds me. So there's a Fred Astaire and Judy Garland movie called Easter Parade. Um. It's like an old musical. Obviously. Yeah. I'm just. I'm
1: making this face to see where your connection
0: is. And there. And it's like it. It kind of. It like came from the movie Holiday Inn. Mm-hmm. um on the based on the easter song right and it's so it's about whatever they're like becoming musical partners blah blah but their the song is in it about being in manhattan's easter parade you know that like famous uh-huh. song and so there's a lot of there's like two scenes like two year one year like count full calendar year yeah um of like p- women in their beautiful clothes and hats and stuff walking in the easter parade um down like fifth avenue uh-huh. so that's why i think about down this down that
1: oh
0: down i'm not saying avenue. it's not a long loop but it's real that's where my mind went
1: second avenue i wonder
0: gonna be what
1: city that makes me yeah it's gonna it's like
0: gonna be in a city
1: yeah
0: what continent do you think this book is from
1: a european
0: i know i would guess like american i I feel like it's not great that i just associate not other places have cities they
1: were avenues and stuff though too i just feel like european yeah but I mean, I there aren't
0: cities in Africa or Asia
1: or <laughs> I don't South know. America. I, I guess I'm thinking the naming convention of saying the word avenue. But I guess any country could have a word that means. Well, yeah, avenue. plus like
0: colonialism. Yeah. And it's also
1: translated, so they could have translated whatever the word was to Avenue. To
0: Avenue. It could have been something like a word that we don't have in English.
1: Uh, There's that. Spoiler alert. The cat just rolled off of the couch accidentally while passed out asleep. So that was great. <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: Sometimes when we pause in mid-sentence, it's because we're watching Chelsea's cats do something
1: really crazy. They're yeah. just they're just their own special treasure. Yeah. Pig is a hot mess at all times. Um, So... On that funny note of hot mess cats, let's uh, see you sh-
0: next time. Oh, let's tell you about our social, social media. media. So you can find us um, on Twitter,
1: Facebook, and Instagram at 1001BooksPod or on Litsy at 1001 Books Podcast, And you can email us at 1001 podcast at gmail.com. Speaking of our
0: perfect day, on Litsy there will often be these things that are like read 24 and 48 and then like people will try to read 24 hours and 48 hours. And that might be part of my perfect day. I find I... that very intimidating because you just could have nothing else going on for the whole weekend. Like nothing. I
1: one day in my life want to read a thousand pages in one day
0: in one day i don't know what the most i've ever read in one day is i
1: haven't done it i want to do it
0: i've definitely read like a 400 page book in like one sitting well like, that's I probably the like most though. if you read like
1: a ya book like a 500 page well it'd be YA like a book. bunch of ya books be like two 500 page ones two
0: or three I mean, not many YA books are 500 pages.
1: I might pad it with a children's book. <laughs> You're just like, I read 40 children's books. <laughs> I read all the Magic Treehouse <laughs> books, a 1,000 pages. That would be a
0: fun little challenge so we could have a little weekend away and we could podcast about it. Yes,
1: mini so, mini so. Yeah. Um, okay. But I guess until we talk to you next time, happy reading.